watch anime chicks with inflatable breasts You might be a Trekkie, eh, sit back and watch As the uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch Turn to the left to F in your dictionary And add this word to your vocabulary Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy Damn it Jim, I'm not a doctor, I'm just the definition of a fanboy People who suffered through an earlier version, and then of whatever, and then you, and then there's a newer version that becomes popular, and then the, and the sour grapes of the earlier version is like you didn't suffer to enjoy that. Well, film. but you know, and I, that, I don't want to say suffered or, because you know well, no, if no, you I watch mean, it is what it was. You know, uh, it's a it's a long film, and in its ultimate form, yeah. Which I still haven't watched the new restored one where they found the Argentinian original cut, right? Um, I did, and it's like 130 minutes. Yeah, and Georgia Marauders is 81 or 82 minutes long. Yeah, um, I don't know. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of film theory that we could discuss. Like, I think that films, shorter films, were perhaps more accessible to watch in that because there was a fair amount of. You didn't relax as much to a silent film where you were having to you know, break and read and there was so much emoting going on through the motions of the actors instead of through what they were saying or the well, way they were saying Well, you know, it. I do think that I took, I took a film theory class in college and I believe it was Professor Howard Suber. I only name drop him because he was a big film critic. He's on a lot of criteria when he was still alive. I think he passed away. He did a lot Criterion, of criterion commentaries. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was actually comedy. And one of the things he said was, was that the perfect format, and I'm seeing this broken all the time, is 90 minutes. Uh-huh. One, because we have this weird psychological thing about things that we perhaps arbitrarily have divided up into threes. 90 minutes or half hours, and, you know, three half right, hours right, is right. a great format. And he said anything longer really starts to wear on the audience. And what I see is... um. Plus, theater owners love 90 minutes because you can get more showings in sure. during the day. But, less, less than that is you, you aren't getting your money's worth at the theater. But we're getting um, – but we're also, you know, directors coming in and being more auteurs. And you see this, like, one of the flaws of – some would say, like, 1941 when Steven Spielberg went comedy. Mm-hmm. He broke that rule. The Blues Brothers broke that rule. And they're both movies that I find terribly flawed. But directed by people that when they did other things, like John Landis um, – you know the Blues Brothers kind of bores me. There's some popular opinion, you know, and and John, there are parts that are too long. But when John Landis went back to you know, and not went back to, but when John Landis did, you know, broke through really with, I'd say American Werewolf, uh, not American uh, Animal House first, right? But before that it was actually Schlock. If you've ever seen Schlock, it's uh-huh. really a fun, goofy thing. And his work on Kentucky Fried Movie, those are shorter, right? They're ninety minutes. They're like boom, 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 and you can remember right. those sequences. Kentucky Fried Movie, especially. I mean. Well, that's it was designed that way. It yeah. was you know a, a different thing, but um, and then when he kind of started straddling genres, then it was okay, you know. But the Blues Brothers for me was like you no, know, but but once you introduce horror or drama, like you get to American Werewolf in London or Into the Night, which is this great to me lost oh, classic. Yeah. Oh man, you know, um, 
it's just almost like we could do just a discussion on, on, on this kind of thing. But, I mean, I, I see that in movies right now all the time. It's like as much as I love all the Marvel movies, which we will talk about in the podcast, mm-hmm. it's like they are all a little bloated. And the apotheosis of it is Batman v Superman, where in order to make a coherent story, you have to watch The Ultimate, which is like three hours, ten minutes. <sighs> and it's it's too long to commit. It's, yeah. it's too long to make that a favorite film yeah. to get through. You know, yeah. So we shall talk on these issues and more. But for right now, this is Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com, and we are podcasting on a Saturday. It's a rare, but it's kind of nice. You know, the sun is shining. It's a sunny day in California. <laughs> Boy, do we need a sunny day in California. <laughs> oh, my. I feel like we're in the midst of a disaster zone. When I'm we are. Photos I mean, of, yeah, well, I heard that uh, Governor Brown did just uh, call it a state of emergency yeah. and ask for federal relief. Did you see the Skyline Boulevard road that got washed out yesterday? It's yeah, like, and it's not the only road that's been washed it's out. It's like 50 yards of road just gone all four lanes all, all, it was like both some, lanes there were photos i've been seeing this week that were like things you'd see in a disaster film you were talking earlier about being stuck in a <laughs> right. sci-fi film of the 80s right you see in disaster films of the 70s I'm like that you know and i i grew up convincing myself those right. weren't real right and now they're real within 15 miles of my house yeah. and i and i know that there are places all over the world that have experienced worse bad. and seen the yeah. same thing but i have been sheltered i keep saying i'm you know i'm safe in california and I know, and, and listeners that are not in California are going, what about earthquakes, dude? I'm like, yeah, it hasn't happened yet. Shh, I'm in denial. We all are. Right. But we're seeing this, and it's just, it's just crazy. And you see this, the boardwalk. I posted that. No, I didn't see today. that. The, 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 I can't remember the name of the, the Santa river. Santa Cruz boardwalk? Oh, yeah. The, the uh, water is right up to the boardwalk. It is now level with the actual boardwalk. Wow. You cannot see beach because it, the river overflowed and it's just flooded through. Yeah. And, taking it all down it's you can go to my facebook page and and yeah, see I'll, the I'll photos i can't remember who actually posted it originally but i was like this is worth sharing because my gosh this is like the to me the scariest i had this moment of like the boardwalk might get washed away <laughs> that's just weird but then that does take care of a lot of the vampires because the vampires cannot survive in running water so right. it's got a, you know a river. i thought you were gonna go to lost boys there that's it. Yeah. Okay. And that's it. You know, right. it's like, but 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 Clint Eastwood will take care of them. No, no, no. They'll be they'll be washed away because ba- vampires disintegrate in, in uh, running water. In running water. Right. Right. They the can't bro- cross running water. They disintegrate in it. That's the brilliance of. Uh, remember that American Gothic swamp thing when there were right. underwater vampires that had all been there underneath when the town flooded, so they were sleeping, and then they adapted and became aquatic. And what what swamp thing had to do was become. Like the reservoir and just pour the water over them, and that's because what it was rushing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, made it rushing. So anyway, hey, hi, yeah, this is uh, Derek McCaw, and across from me, of course, you've already heard our our, our weird non sequiturs because what's happened? It's a morning. We're freshly caffeinated. It's true. This is good. Across podcast producer Rick Brett Snyder. Yes, indeed. And we're going to talk about a little movie news, a little comic news. A little TV news. I say movie news because that'll be first. But first, of course, if you are listening iTunes or Google Play, you can find us there. Uh, please rate us, review us, uh, tell your friends, and subscribe by all means. And uh, you can, of course, find us at fanboyplanet.com, where each and every podcast has its own page. So please check that out. And if you hear us talking about something on the podcast that you would like to purchase for your very own and you cannot find it at your local comic shop or your local brick-and-mortar store, 
which you can find at comicshoplocator.com if you don't know where your local comic shop is. Uh, there's a great thing. You can uh, go to the Amazon link that is on each and every page of Fanboy Planet, and if you use that search box, we get a tiny kickback for anything you purchase through Amazon once you've gone through our little search box. We also have some direct links to things uh, that we talk about. We try to try to keep that up as well. You know, you say you you, you say tell your friends, and you, you say it pretty fast, but I want to say I want to t- take that a little bit. I say tell your friends. You know, tell people when you when you're in a conversation, you say, "Yeah, I heard about that on Fanboy Planet." I'm going to be Rick really, and Derek. I'm Derek actually, and Rick. I'm actually grateful. Right. Yeah, <laughs> Rick's grammar skills. I uh, fixed. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, no, actually, I had somebody. I saw somebody share uh, our our end of year podcast and actually pulled a quote when I was talking about the loss of Carrie Fisher. Uh, and he wrote the quote down in his header and said, yeah, listen to this. And cool. I was really uh, as touched. I was like, well, one, that's proof you listened, which is awesome, you know, because <laughs> we, you know, I mean, I know people do. We just don't obviously get a lot of feedback. And they say that about the Internet. You know, it's like 90 percent of people are just kind of quiet participants, which is something to remember about Facebook. And when we get all worked up by by social media. Because 90% of the country is actually staying quiet, which is scary. It's just 10% of us going, <laughs> at each other. Well, Steve Mix hit me up on uh, Facebook Messenger and said, you know, are you guys ever going to talk about Batman? Because he had just got caught up on it and there were some things yeah. that happened in recent issues. He said, well, I don't want to spoil it for you because I'm a little behind on it. So I said, nope, I'll go ahead and I'll catch up and we'll have that conversation. So I wish you told me that before. I'd try to catch up, but I got to go through. Well, I'm not caught up. I'm not either. <laughs> so I'm telling you now. <laughs> I'm caught up on Lego Batman. There you go. Uh, <laughs> You're ahead of me there. <laughs> so anyway, uh, there's that. And of course, uh, after Amazon as well, if you'd like to help support the cost of uh, of, of posting, uh, of running a podcast and a website, uh, you can, of course, donate money to PayPal at editor at fanboyplanet.com. And uh, while you're there, I, while we're talking about editor at fanboyplanet.com, if you've got comments, questions, compliments, commentary, criticism, write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com like someone did after our last podcast. Well. Or maybe it was two podcasts who ago. Who is that? Bill Bossert. We haven't heard from Bill in a long time. And it was because I had this little thing of saying we mentioned uh, my phone case. And I said, you know, hey, if you write a letter in, uh, write an email I will uh, uh-huh. send you back a photo of my phone case. And uh, so I did. So he, he wrote and said, let me see a picture of your phone case, please. But And hope you're doing well. Enjoyed the last podcast. By the way, don't you get the feeling the new Trek show is already a bit of a train wreck? Star wreck? Regards, Bill. Well, first of all, Bill, thanks for listening, as always. And, yeah, I kind of feel like the tone of our discussions of Star Trek have been, it's a little bit of a wreck. And I this keep is, hoping that it will right itself. This is one of those things where I'm, too long a fanboy because there was a series of parody paperbacks called Star Wreck at one point mm-hmm. that I finally collected the last of a couple of years ago. So well, I'm, I look at that and go, yeah, Star Wreck. So it, yeah. yeah, so what? No, I no, I'd like I, to see Star Wreck. You know, here, I mean, my, my my final word on what's happening with Discovery is, oh yeah, that I get it. They made, and this is what I, I find a problem with film. And we're going to be discussing that in just a, just a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, that the nature of the business right now is you have to set this date and market the crap out of the date. Yes. And it still doesn't matter because people are still uh, going, what, there's a new such right. and such coming right. out? I mean, it's like, guys, you know, maybe it would be better to just do these little short run-ups. 
and talk about it when you're truly ready. And it's just right. not the way that the internet's working, the way our culture's working. But the problem is that it's now February and January 2017, a year ago, like January 2016, probably earlier. Yeah. Paramount. I think CBS, it was 2015. CBS said, yeah. January 2017, we're going to get the new series. And for whatever reason, it hasn't worked out that it's it's ready. They just started production, finally, on Star Trek Discovery. There are some really interesting cast members. You've got Doug Jones. You've got Anthony Rapp, I, which I think this is the first time he's been on a TV series, Broadway star. He was the original Mark in Rent. Right. And right. Uh, But he was also back in uh, Adventures in Babysitting. He was the pervy redheaded kid uh he was in something else on broadway recently too oh well i i just saw him last year on the tour with adina menzel and if then right sorry i did too yeah so um you know i mean he's been doing this great you know broadway career he's a great he's a great actor there is no question Mm -hmm. and uh you've got uh michelle yao and uh you know as the captain and and there's a character that uh, an actress that i don't know because she's on walking dead and everybody's like oh she's there uh james frayne is playing sarek so you've got sarek back i mean there's this tie-in with the and and it's just tied into the television series remember those are two different universes the Mm -hmm. movies now the kelvin timeline as they say so we can't help but be disappointed in light of all the other things that have gone on with Star Trek fandom in the last year that I would have rather they just didn't tell us and get surprise, it started yeah, sure. and say ready. But they had to say, we've got this streaming service. And this is we talked about at the end of 2016. Once again, television is shifting so bad. Uh, what did I just read? Uh, Facebook opened a studio. So Facebook's going to start creating original content. Of course. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be based on the, the lives of the users of Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I I finally uh, put that little tag over my camera so that, you know, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, that's. Are you mean to post it over the camera? Post it over the camera, yeah. I, I'm just like, I started I'm getting. Start calling you Mulder. No, it's actually it's actually a work best practice. They've told Is us it? to do that. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it's because chances are slim, but it's just like, it's weird. And I, and I want to control. You know what my image sure, is, sure. Um, but Facebook is the is the publicity thing. You know. So anyway, I mean, there's so much going on. It's just I get why why CBS did it, but I'd rather they get it right. It's it's one of the things where I'm wondering. I'm hoping what they're doing is they're getting the foundation right, getting the Bible right, getting everything that not the first two stories right. Because if they're yeah. rewriting the first two stories and this is taking that long, that's a bad sign. Because it means the third and fourth stories won't have had as, as much time to well, you know, and the thing that I, I also think it's it, it's funny because it, this too is going to tie into our top story, which is uh, which is Marvel movies, uh, specifically news there. But I think the thing is when you get like what happened with Discovery was Brian Fuller was the executive producer and everybody got excited. And he brought in Nicholas Meyer. And everybody's forgotten that Nicholas Meyer is oh. still attached, mm-hmm. which to us is great. Yeah. But it's been so long since Nicholas Meyer has done something high profile. Right. But Brian Fuller's all over the place. Um, you know, and, and I realized I was talking to somebody else uh, about being at Gallifrey One next week and how my uh, the panel I'm on is about they ended on a cliffhanger. And I thought, you know, there are like – there are two – uh, one I haven't watched and one I have shows that I think count as that, uh, which is uh, Pushing Daisies uh-huh. and uh, Wonderfalls. 
and I oh, and I, I, I you know I haven't seen Wonderfalls yet. It's one of those kind of like I will go back and watch it. Oh, you've never there. seen it, but I'll be probably disappointed because I know that it ended way too soon. And pushing yeah, da- and Pushing Daisies really ended. But I know what they announced what they were going to do with the second mm-hmm. season after uh, a couple of years after it ended. Yeah, they said what they were going to, and they, the second season was not going to be good. And 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 they've essentially done the same thing with Pushing Daisies. And mm-hmm. there was talk about a comic book, con- you know, a continuation, and it never happened. Yeah. Um, but I'm saying, that, you know, that was as, as this friend who's not in that fandom was kind of, or in sci-fi fandom, he's a baseball guy. I, yeah, I'm friends with people that like baseball. And uh, see, we can all get together, sports fans and comics fans. Can, I won't shame you for that. No, no I, I'm just look. I know your I'm wife pays attention. Yeah, and that's why you pretend to pay attention. Uh, so, which is the right thing to do. Yes. And uh, but I was saying, like, um, one of the ironies I think is why you end up with these weird cliffhangers is that series are aware of you know producers are aware they're gonna get canceled if they don't do something mm-hmm. and so they shift gears mightily and then that creates these cliffhangers where it's like wait what was going to happen right and you know and it doesn't save the show right and it might not have been that big a cliffhanger if uh if they had stayed with their original vision you know and sometimes it kills a show and sometimes it just can't save a show and then you're left with it's like what would have happened so you remember tv guide <laughs> What? No, there used to be the back, the last page in TV Guide used to be an article about television, like just just mm-hmm. a little short uh, anecdotes and stuff. By the way, I think their website still does run those. Do kinds they of, still? Yeah. Okay, so I remember when, like, when Dark Shadows got canceled, they had an article that was written by for some. I just wanted to you know, tie <laughs> yes, in. Right, right. Dark Shadows was the one of the longest running soap operas, and it, it was the first one to introduce supernatural elements. And right, I get because I, I keep this keeps showing up on MeTV.com. It's a little trivia point that almost it's also unique that it almost all of the episodes still exist. Like somehow they knew right that 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 there would be a rewatchability because there's a lot of stuff that's really lost, you know. Yeah, there and, was there was one episode I I got the DVDs through Netflix or something at one point, and there was one episode where they lost a bunch of stuff, so they did a bunch of still pictures mm-hmm. with kind of um, like what we're doing with Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you and I, in the, the BBC, <laughs> uh, in our head, there are a lot of still pictures exactly. going on. Um. Anyway, so this article. Uh, actually was written from the, whatever, the equivalent of the showrunner at that time. Dan um, Curtis. Uh, so explained what was going to go, what was going to happen mm-hmm. in the success of stories. And I still remember bits of it because it had to do with Victoria and, and Adam and some other people. But I've I've been looking and looking. I've searched the web for that, that article to find out what the definitive um, story was for the finish of it. Because it ended really strangely with them all sitting around the living room all happy and stuff. But you know that's not what would really happen. Right, right. And I don't know because my mother forbid me from watching uh, Dark Shadows. It was kind of this thing You would have had nightmares. Oh, I watched some. Yeah. And I recall it's like when I, had, when I would be at the babysitter's house and the babysitter's daughter was – home from high school from class and my parents were picking me up late that's when i would watch dark shadows or my cousin jan would watch it and so i'd sneak you know um, i'll take you right back to it. the scariest thing they do in dark shadows is when people would be talking inside a room and then there'd be somebody outside the window mm-hmm. remember, do you remember those, there was always like a scene where and somebody would come looking I around the window recall about quentin the werewolf having been yes. so this is an image stuck in my head since i was like three 
of Quentin having been cursed and like, it was almost like a fan. I, I'm piecing together that it might've been a phantom of the opera kind of mask on him or something. I don't know what the storyline was, but when I was three, this image oh, yeah. stuck in my head and I did have nightmares over and over about, I have no idea what it was, but it was like, you know, I know someone was re- he was reaching out, not knowing soap opera techniques right, or right, anything, right. you know, let's, anyway, let's get to the actual, thank you, Bill, for writing in. It's great to hear Thanks, from Bill. you. Thanks, Bill. And, and anytime we get to talk about Dark Shadows, cause it's gonna happen again, uh, today. And I don't know if you, if you realize the connection yet. Um, but our top story is that we are on, we are recording this on day two. No, I mean, they probably took Saturday off, right? They got a weekend. Day one yesterday of filming the, the biggest movie. I don't know if it's going to be called the greatest movie ever made. It's going to be certainly the biggest movie ever made. The Ben Hur, the, the, uh, the cost, greatest story ever told the of The cost of this cast movies. must be bigger than anything. I mean, you, you have to go back to like, you know, around the world in eighty days to get this many big stars. And we are that- actually, we are actually talking about, of course, Avengers: Infinity Cast, and I'm sorry, Infinity War, uh, <laughs> because this is like I realize that I, I post, you know. I just have to remind people, and I appreciate, I do appreciate that getting tagged and heads up is like, I do see all this stuff throughout the day, but I have to work, and so I can't comment or I can't post stuff. Right. But I'm in the last night of my daughter's play, and, and Rick said, Hey, did you see this? And I'm like, Yeah, I did. I just saw it before I left to go down to the play. And so at like 11 o'clock last night, I went, All right, I got to post the, the solid video they put together. So that, um, you know, it's like, yeah, in case you missed it, and yes, I'm aware, we're all aware this this is happening, um, which is that they started in Robert Downey Jr. I mean, I guess I just, the thing is, it, from where I am, and Debbie, I think, was the one who criticized the, uh, Rick's wife, De- Debbie, critique, critiqued me a few weeks ago about saying, like, there's an inside baseball uh, sports metaphor uh, attitude to the way I approach this because I go, well, uh, of course, that's really what's happening. Right. You know, so the revelation that, but I realized totally surprising to some people that uh, Spider-Man was going to be in Infinity War yes. when I'm like, uh, of course he was, right? And and Star Lord is going to be in Infinity War, and I'm like, oh, of course he is, because look, we're watching all these pieces come together. The big villain's Thanos, who's out there with Thanos's stepdaughter or foster daughter right, right, right. actually on the team. Of course, Avengers Infinity War, which it was used to be called Part One, and then they're, gonna, they're actually now going to call Part Two something else. So that's why it's just okay. become Infinity, yeah, War. Infinity War. We're just that's talking. Good. Robert Downey Jr. starts this video saying we're going to be filming for a year. Yes, and. <laughs> And you're like, and that's just part one. No, they're probably doing both back to back. They have Didn't to. He, he said lensing? lensing, lensing for you. Yeah, yes. Um, so I mean, because they have to be filming both back to back. They right, can't. They right. have to just go like, look, guys, your 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 sensitive indie dramas. They're right out for the next year. <laughs> Nobody can use you know Chris Pratt. Jurassic War Sorry. is not going to happen yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> until 2000. You're not going to start filming that until 2018, right? And uh, you and, know, and nobody gets to do any kind of ultimate sports, in and, this and time. nobody gets to nobody you know, drives themselves anywhere. But uh, you guys are going to get used to. You're just going to have to start like drinking Coca Cola because you're going to be in Atlanta for a long, long time. Yeah. Uh, so Star Lord's there, and then they confirm, yes, this is. I realize when you piece it together. This is Avengers. Mm-hmm. Then there's Captain America's Avengers, which maybe have a different name. Right. Um, and the Guardians of the Galaxy coming together 
to fight Thanos, which we knew was going to happen. There's a whole cosmic thing. Kevin Feige said last last week is like we're going to go more cosmic now, and you're like, okay, this has this hasn't even gotten into the into the Captain Marvel solo film, but I've got to assume by having announced her so early, Brie Larson, that she's got to appear in Avengers: Infinity War yeah. somehow. Yeah. In fact, it would be brilliant if. She's just there, and then, you know, as Captain Marvel, and then the solo movie sort of, you know, explains it. Yeah. Um, Because I like the idea of playing with timelines, which they used to do. They used to be like, you know, how did you, how did this fit in time with another one? And it's the flaw in Doctor Strange to me. It's like they could have so easily just said that his his accident happened 10 years ago, and they would have fixed a plot hole in Captain America Winter Soldier, but they didn't. And this is my doubt on it is, you know, my only problem with it is from Dr. Strange on Kevin Feige is without the checks and balances of Brian Michael Bendis and uh, the rest of the brain. I think Mark, no, Mark Miller's not on that. Um, I think uh, I think Joe Casada was part of the brain trust. You know, people that are dealing with the comics that would have caught those little continuity things because that's kind of what they're doing as a day job all the time. Yeah, um, it's super obvious, but they did that with Captain America. Yeah. I mean, and when it works, it, it works you, really you, well. You, they could have just made him modern day and not told the backstory back in World right. War II. Right, yeah. but they, you know, but 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 I'm saying back in Winter Soldier, yep. Hydra was already targeting Stephen Strange, and why were you? Now right. I have to do backflips right. in my head, right. saying they targeted him because when he was in Tibet. Uh, no, they targeted him because he was already a high-profile surgeon. Right. But why? Although the other thing I'd argue, and we'll come back around when we get down to television, is Remembering that X-Men, the first one, when it starts, says, sometime in the future. There's a subtitle. And uh, and so, uh, or a supertitle, rather. And, <laughs> and, and, and that maybe all along we've been assuming that all these movies are taking place in our time. Right. When they might actually be 10 years in the future. Right. But the only, because I got to look, but I think the only hard date that's been established was that one for Doctor Strange's origin. It's funny. I'm going to get back to that that exact issue in, when we get to what's in the bag. Okay, yeah, yeah. You know, so I mean, there it is. We have to create a little timelessness, don't we? Um so anyway, it it started and everybody's super excited and there's all this video stuff and yes, that means hey, rocket. Um Anything more time when we get because they in that video they show like there's a looks like trading cards sports cards on right. the wall and there's right. and there's rocket and like yeah I mean, I mean but think about this it's like this really is it's a joke there's no time for character development there shouldn't be uh, because we've we done don't it. we've done it yeah let's just get the all pardon me for using this now phrase, we get to read a comic book let's go let's just go balls out and do absolutely this is the this is the annual this is the t- the final tie in issue of whatever phase three i have lost track of what phases we're in but let's just do it go go there this fight the only character arcs that need to happen is maybe some development of thanos because i don't think although really let's face it, it's like darth vader at this point thanos is just a bad guy let's go back to that idea he's just a bad guy who worships death that's all we need to know yeah that's all we that's need pretty, to know. That's, and he's an incredibly powerful bad guy. The only character stuff. development that I might want to see is if Peter Dinklage is now is either Pip, Pip. the Troll or Modok. I'm hoping he's Pip the Troll. Yeah. Because I've heard the rumor that they were looking at Modok, and I'm like, Modok is throwing a wrench into. It's it's just one extra side story we do not need. But if if but Guardians I've always liked like, the character, but if Guardian, yeah, but I don't think he. You yeah. know, I actually I was driving over here thinking, you know what they should do, and it messes with continuity. But let's just do it. Arnim Zola, 
Toby Jones Bring him back. becomes Modoc. It would be totally against Ooh, continuity, but they're very why not? similar characters. So they're very similar. So just yeah. do it. That's the next yeah. logical step for Arnim Zola. Then you don't need to do character development. And explain it. It's like true. this was just the next step true, in true, Zola's true, evolution. True. I'm I'd be okay with that if they did it because one, I just love Toby Jones as we've proven. Oh yeah, man. You watch the dream ma- the 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 dream doctor or the dream master in Doctor Who. Right. You watch his turn on on Sherlock. Sherlock yeah. uh, you know, a few, couple weeks ago. Come on, you know he's great. Let yeah. him be the total master villain. Yeah. He he can shoot the scenery right up. And, and then you know if you give Bucky the type, the role of Captain America moving forward versus Arnim Zola, the man who actually mm-hmm. made him who he is. Yeah, it's like there's a lot of reason. For, that's a logical arc in a solo film yeah. for Captain America four or a Winter yeah. Soldier one or whatever you want to do. Yeah. Um, so just put let's but let's put those cosmic guys in because if Guardians of the Galaxy Volume two. We know we because we got a glimpse last week of Aisha, so her mm-hmm. is clearly a major character, which means, and we've already seen his cocoon, him, yeah. which means Adam Warlock. Hopefully. So let's create the infinite Infinity Watch. You've got Gamora. Even even you know, I'd be happy. I'd be totally happy if Adam Warlock just shows up in like one of the post credit credit scenes. No, absolutely for the a cocoon. for an upcoming movie. We, we've seen the cocoon, and suddenly because we know Infinity War is still, is still a cliffhanger. Mist. Is still a cliffhanger. If the cocoon opens and this golden guy steps out at the end, yeah, then it's just like what? Perfect. And it, because it's like you don't need to throw another character. In the the other ones didn't do this, and this is what was the best thing about Avengers, as the British call it, Avengers Assemble, mm-hmm. the first movie is I really had no idea that Thanos would be the post-credit oh, yeah. reveal. Yeah. Every other post-credit reveal has been like, well, that was cool. Yeah. You know, and then when they threw... Well, that's and, how they're going to work that in. You know, and, and it was just like, but when he turned, and it's like, nobody expected right. that. You right. know, and maybe I expected it back one, but in Iron Man, when Samuel L. Jackson stepped out at the end, I was like, well, yeah, they've been talking. We know why Avengers. you really enjoyed that, though. We do know why you really enjoyed it. Why did that. I really enjoy you it? You got to explain who Thanos was to half the theater. No, I didn't because I was mad at half the theater for turning to me and asking, who, why is everybody? I, no, I did actually <laughs> have to explain to the – I've told that story about I how I went to a press screening with and somebody sat next to me who had clearly like never watched an action movie because every act of violence was like <laughs> ooh, 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 ooh. and then she turns and says why are you know why are people uh you know and wouldn't that hurt him and i'm trying to be patient you know but it was like yeah and i said he's just he's just a really big big villain in in marvel and as kevin Feige says in the video last uh, they released yesterday is like he's the biggest and the baddest they've really got that yep. <laughs> that um <clears throat> That Marvel currently has the rights to, because <laughs> you might make an argument as far as dynamism and complexity. Doctor Doom, Doom, which has been totally blown every time yeah. by Fox, um, you know, it, it's. But Thanos is it, you know. Yeah. But you can go. Yeah, they can't even use the Watcher. It like t- it saddens me that yeah. you can't even use the Watcher. Yeah. You can't use Galactus. There's the biggest about. Ah, uh, anyway. And yet, by the, comparatively... By the, by the way, I, I wanted to say, you should never be ashamed of saying um, balls out or balls to the wall because that has nothing to do with what you think it does. Well, as we as we discovered, showing dodgeball to my son a few weeks ago, when I'm like, oh, this is a mistake, only because he's running around the next day, like before we go to church, going, go balls deep! <laughs> I'm like, well, that's different. 
But ball, uh, balls to the wall and I balls know. out. I know it's a sport. I know. No, I, uh, no, it's not. It's it's in reference to um, balls on the end of a throttle um, that gets pushed out when when you're going faster. I did not know that that was a, yep. a stick shift reference. Yep. It's, I think it's trained, actually. The, oh! Yeah. Well, let's see. We've learned a couple of things. We've gone, say, for those who want to listen to our old-timey radio podcast, where we talk about things that happened in the 1890s, we were earlier talking about St- Steamboat Bill, the folk song. I like language. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm fascinated by that. It's, uh, you know, an obscurity, but this is 2017. Let's get to the other reality is on the flip side, DC, or, I'm I, sorry, I keep... I keep blaming DC and it's right. not Warner, Warner brothers is like this mess. Like I, you know, I don't know. It's almost like suicide squad where, you know, there was just leaks all over the place yeah. and they didn't know what they're doing. And then you hear the, like this justice league, uh, leak of what the plot is. And now everybody's criticized. I'm like, guys, it came from an obscure website. Right. There are certain, as I've said before, there are certain websites that when they go for that screaming headline, you know, they faked it. Or as I've had, I had happened early on and I learned, I got burned, was that people want to be, you know, want to be that internally so they can tell their friends, you know, I was their inside source. Right. And, and they leak things that, or they email things in that maybe aren't true. So I know it probably hurts me with traffic that I try to source and figure out, you know, what, once sure the story becomes real right. and true, which is ironic because, you know, I'm certainly, I fall victim to the so-called fake news politically a lot too, um, because it's just attaching, <laughs> that I can be more dispassionate about the fo- the fake things, you know, uh, I, I mean, literally about fictional things. Um, it's all fiction these days, really. That's, that's all, everything is. This is whether it's written well or poorly. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I, you know, anyway, so. Justice League seems to be a mess. There's been like damage control on the Batman because yep. Ben Affleck stepped down as director, and I'm like, you know what? I Kevin Smith had to come out and and defend Ben Affleck, and, and I was like, you know, I the reason is absolutely right. The amount of time that it's going to take for Ben Affleck to be Batman, right? I mean, literally, physically on the set as Batman. He can't step back and be the director at no. the same time. No. It made so much sense to me, and I'm like, why? And then it says, oh, now they're du- now they're dumping his script. I'm like, no. And then the Warner Brothers are going, no, we're super happy with the script. And it's just like, again, we're back to my thing about Star Trek. This is the problem with announcing a date, and 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 the scrutinization is like, guys, if you're stuck to a date. You're going to always be compromising. And you're going to end up with Suicide Squad. Yeah. A mo- and I, I don't blame David Ayer on that. I don't know that David Ayer – I don't know that it's the fault of the script. It's just that they – well, we got a start date. we got to hit it. And so they had to go with what they had instead of getting it right. And I, look, I'll grant you. Man, I am the slowest uh, writer in the world, and it's probably cost me in terms of opportunities that I've had in my life because the actual delivery – has been like, well, as I fit this into other things that I'm doing, right. it takes forever. And then, yeah. and then, you know, if you're if you're a half decent writer, I like to think I'm half decent. You're critiquing yourself all the time, and yes, your your inner critic has to get out of the way sometimes. But on the other hand, if you're under a deadline, you know, sometimes you're just not going to get the best work. And you're not a prof- and not you're not a professional. No, I'm writer. not saying. But but uh, you know, Affleck's not a professional writer, so it's going to take him that much. Well, longer. he is. Let's, let's not remember. Let's please remember uh, his first screenplay. He won an Academy Award. 
True. So yes, he is a professional okay, writer. Fine, fine, uh, <laughs> but he's not. He's not in practice. I don't know that. Um, I think that. I think the problem is you've got what you've always got is a is a war between. And there's an article coming. I swear. As I think about this, about it, like who were you aiming for and the expectations? Yeah. Um, because on the flip side. Uh, you know, I think DC Television or Warner Brothers gets the DC Comics heroes for the most part right. We've got Lego Batman movie at the center, which I think is honestly, I'm I'm not kidding when I say it is the best. If you're going to talk about tackling the Batman mythos, because yeah. you can't can't just tell a story anymore. It's got to be like, oh, we're deconstructing who this character is, right. which it calls out in the movie that they are doing this deconstruction. Right. But it is simply the best deconstruction there's ever been. It's the final word. I don't want to see this origin story. It's not actually an origin story, but I don't want to deal with that aspect of Batman anymore. But it's like every five, ten years in comics. You do right. see the same thing, and that's what it's calling out. It's this great meta commentary on how we are just looking up our own navel on these myths and telling them over and over. And it's hilarious, but it's also like, yeah, no, you handled it right. That is exactly the right. That's the heart of what the of mm-hmm. what all these comic book writers are arguing, all the television writers, and then the same people that I'm seeing. Uh, going like Lego Batman is awesome are the same people ripping into Powerless because Powerless the first episode was way too in, it was way too like it's wearing its DC universe on its sleeve and then I'm seeing the you know the second episode people are complaining there weren't enough DC comics references I'm like you cannot have it both ways well there are two different models arguing that you have to well no no, no yeah. but 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 I'm saying and but there's also different art different audiences so agreed Warner Brothers has to make Sorry, the Batman has to make a billion dollars. That's a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. And there's no way to guarantee it. Batman v yeah. Superman had to make a billion dollars. It fell somewhat short, but to many people's surprise, was like $750 million? It, it It got ridiculously close yeah. for how plodding and long and overstuffed that movie was. Yeah. Uh, and so they're being reactionary. There's no, you know, but that's the, the reality of it. The CW is this little upstart network that's happier with lower ratings and lower budgets and who it's trying to get are the people that go Supergirl was on Glee and uh you know you know who they are <laughs> <It's> you <laughs> it, it, no I I don't no. I cuz I'd stopped watching Glee by that point oh, okay. um I, I, so it's me I watched I had Dolan. I had no uh, you know they meant, meant nothing to me but the fact that the Flash can kind of straddle between that audience of you know, but it's I had a friend who said that like he he watched one episode of Arrow and he went yeah I mean it was okay but you got but you got CW all over yeah. my Arrow yeah uh, someday he'll give me permission to actually cite who he is so I can say that but uh, but it is the funniest and most dead on accurate but it's because CW is a brand it has yeah. a specific audience well they want you to watch through to the next show and NBC despite um, the reality that man everybody's network shares are down. You know, it's like Aaron Gray told, told me when, like Buck Rogers got canceled back in, in the early eighties mm-hmm. because uh, it had fallen down to a share where like right now HBO had just started. So the audiences had just started splintering. So Buck Rogers was canceled with, uh, with a rating that was higher than the highest rated show on television today. today. Yeah. And the same thing, I was just reading an interview with, as we acknowledge, Richard Hatch passed away suddenly. I mean, or unexpectedly. Probably not suddenly for him and his his family. But, um, you know, from Battlestar Galactica. And But I was reading an old interview with him, and he said that was one of the things. It's like, Battlestar Galactica was actually getting really good ratings. 
It was in the top 20. When it started, it was in top 10. It dropped down to top 20, and ABC looked at it and go, we can afford to pay this price for a top 10 show. Uh-huh. We can't afford to pay this price for a top 20 show. And yet, one reason why Battlestar Galactica, despite some people's perception of it as being cheesy, because so many people watched it in the post-Star Wars you know, right. popularity, of- that it... Um, you know, it stayed in our public consciousness in a way that a lot of the stuff that we're loving right now won't. Right. Because there were more people watching that in the top 20, the lower end of the top 20, than will ever watch the shows that we t- that we talk about a lot. Right. Or Walking Dead. Uh, you know, like, yeah. like one thing that started me when I looked at WWE and went, you know, they only get about 6 million people watching it. Yeah, because of my bubble, I think, man, everybody's a wrestling fan. And it is sort of in everybody's consciousness, but it's still to only six extent, million yeah, people that yeah. are that are active, you know. And it's really because of Dwayne Johnson, um, The Rock. By the way, I'm going to throw another movie thing out there you know, uh, before we move on to comics, as we should. Um, after watching the Saturday Night Live episode, and we've talked about because you know, when I talk about Dwayne Johnson, that I want, you know, I'm waiting for that Doc Savage movie, obviously, right? And that David Avalone was on a few weeks ago with his new Doc Savage comic series coming soon, uh, Ring of Fire. That I realized after watching when John Cena hosted, John Cena should be Rennie. That yeah, would work. Yeah, he had he actually, despite the joke on Silent Hill Hive, he has huge hands, hands, right? And he has the wide mobile mouth. You know, he's got that kind of gloomy look that he's like he's good looking, but he's not really. It's like there's something just almost too exaggerated. I'm like that's kind of Rennie. Yeah. Like I would love, and he's got to be massive. I mean, they sh- they showed him up against other cast members Saturday Night Live, and he's like he is a massive guy. Oh yeah. But to me, Rennie was always as massive as Doc in my head, or bigger. You know, and so he's that's the thing. Doc is Doc is entirely normally proportioned he, you yes don't point, so perfectly proportioned you don't notice until he's standing up against right, somebody right i i recall these please i would mean, love those it's like it you know people people may mock but the real reality is pulp magazines often wrote like homer i know this sounds mm-hmm. like a weird you know but but the greek epithet of like homer, you remember the things but homer. homer the blind poet who may or may not have been the guy who wrote the odyssey because you've got these epithets and you can turn to a page and it's like Monk the homely chemist and Ham the sartorial, you know, yeah. <laughs> and you just go and you, so you remember these things and that's so you know when it stands out and I'm like the cast of Doc Savage doesn't have to be an excellent like oh you know like they don't have to be great actors but they have to be believable actors right and John Cena if you've watched Trainwreck which is not a perfect movie I haven't seen it he's in Trainwreck and you should watch it just to this is one of those a, a slight recommendation to see. A character actor who you probably haven't caught in his, like, the Marine or the action films he's in because they seem like Dolph Lundgren level. Right. Another guy who, really cool guy. I, I like Dolph Lundgren a lot. Um, but he I was won't on go, S.H.I.E.L.D. But I won't go out of my way to watch a movie with, you know, one of his movies. But he showed, anyway, John Cena showed up in Trainwreck and it's like, he's actually, I mean, he can seem believable. And you know, and, and it's just kind of, and he's willing to play with his image. Yeah, and so that guy impresses me. You um, saw him on Shield, didn't you? Uh, he plays Dolph a, Lundgren. You're back to Dolph Lundgren, not John Cena. Right, right, right. Uh, Dolph Lundgren was on there, and he's this uh, super villain, you know, rich super villain kind of guy. He's is it this season? Yeah. Oh, I'm two episodes or three episodes behind. Okay, so it's probably been been in the LMD thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I, I, I watched all the way through Ghost Rider, and then I watched the episode revealing the Patriot. Okay. Um, and then I haven't gotten back to it. So. Okay. He plays a really cool character. So much. and uh, Well, I knew he was coming. So let's talk about comics. The big news in comics out of Marvel was, of course, that Secret Empire, which I'm thinking they're just making political commentary with their crossover titles because we went. Oh, from, yeah, think we went from Civil War to, to um, which, by the way, in real life, I feel like we're we're in a very cold civil war. It's yeah. very civil. Yeah. Um, no, it's not. It's uh, uncivil. It's uncivil. But so was the first one. You know, I mean, uh, uh, and then we're going to Secret Empire. I'm like, oh my god, come on. Uh, which is ironic because the thing is. I still think the fun, it, it happened again that after, after decades of no fo- photographs of Ike Perlmutter, he right. has been all right. over the place because he's an advising on, on veteran affairs after a veteran affairs, uh, conference in which no one who represented actual veterans, uh, attended or was invited. Um, I'm not saying that to be political. I'm saying that to be, let's just think critically about that. Okay, good. Let's talk about Secret <laughs> Empire. I, you know, I felt like in running the cover to re- remind people that like the thing that keeps because it showed up on Good Morning America, which is ABC owned by Marvel, which or not owned by Marvel, but owned by Disney, which also owns Marvel. So that's why these comic stuff. Let's not forget that's why these things are showing up on, on ABC. On ABC, which uh, reminds me, I'm going to recommend a book that I myself have not read, but I read an article on it and went, uh, "This is an old book, 20th anniversary edition, amusing ourselves to death: public discourse in the age of." Of show business. business, and it's a it's a prediction that uh, uh, by this guy Neil Postman, a British critic uh, thinker, uh, basically a prediction that this is where we would go, that where we are right now is exactly where we have ended up. Interesting. So I just ordered this, and it just came in the mail yesterday. So what's the theme that, uh, is- that we because we're all consuming our. Uh, our information and our uh, entertainment. When, when politics and public discourse are measured out in spoonfuls mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting criticism. Wow. Which goes for, you know, I, I have to say this because since I taught theater, this is the, um, it is one of the oldest anecdotes about theater, a, 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 if not the oldest, um, and apocryphal because, of course, we have no written history. But apparently Thespis, the first uh, the credited as the first actor, if he indeed was, I started re- researching this going like, well, we don't know for sure. I'm like, I know it's just like Homer. We don't know that Homer really mm-hmm. existed. Thespis, the first actor performed, uh, and Solon, the famous Athenian politician went back to the, uh, Skene. No, no, no. Skene is the, uh, the orchestra was what that was what actually where the dressing room was originally. Right. We, we've switched what the names mean and so forth. Um, and somebody correct me if I'm wrong because I haven't been teaching in two and a half years. Uh, but uh, but Solon went what we would now call backstage mm-hmm. and, and got into an argument with Thespis and said, "I do not like this acting thing because you are lie you are basically performing lies to the public. Uh-huh. And if we accept this on our stage, which was of course originally." Just poetry being recited, songs. Right. Tragedy is Lucy translates as goat songs because it was a sacrifice of the goat to Dionysus, and um, and tragedia is the closest we come is what it really was. Do I get credit for this class? Yeah, you might. Um, hey, dude, this is the smartest podcast you may be <laughs> listening to about comics this week. I'm sure everybody listens to a lot smarter stuff than than us because we're idiots. But anyway, uh, that uh, someone said if there are if there is lying on the stage it's only a matter of time before we start lying in our public discourse mm. 
So literally, and that's why I know yeah. that's why it's in the subtitle here. But that's it. This is the old, one of the oldest arguments about entertainment. And we are seeing, I'm going to use this big word again. I have a license for it. The apotheosis of that happening right now. Um, and, and when you're getting meta commentary from uh, comics with Secret Empire, to go back to that, I want to say, again, Captain America is not really evil. This is not a subversion of Captain America. Right. His entire reality has been warped by the Cosmic Cube, which is too difficult to explain on Good Morning America to regular people. And even in that reality, he's not really evil. But it's not a reality. Right. It, it, what I'm in saying that, is it, but, they warped his memories. They're playing it out. But it is his reality. Right. But it doesn't invalidate any of the stories before. Any old Captain – not even Cap Wolf, as I put in the, uh, the article. Well, that's a good question because I thought that the Cosmic Cube had modified his history to have happened that way. It has modified his history to have happened that not way. Not just his memory of it, but, but actually. But now we're in like the Cosmic Cube. Uh, what's her name? Uh, it's, oh, yeah, the old girl. We're almost like in the Kelvin timeline. Yeah. But the past has happened differently yes. for Captain America. Sure. But that doesn't mean that that actually affected any other story. And it you can all re- be undone. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm just like getting at. It's yeah. just like, okay, and, and you know, I'm seeing headlines. Like, Good Morning America, my Facebook feed was full of that this morning. Good Morning America reveals is like, you know, once again, it's going to change the Marvel Universe forever. That's like the death of Superman did. <laughs> and it's funny because I was just say, say, explaining that to somebody. Um, you know, uh, because it's weird. I have become friends with Mike Carlin, uh, who was the guy. And that is the cultural touchstone. When I say, yeah, I, I, I know Mike Carlin. Uh, enjoy. And they go, who? And I say, basically, he's the mastermind behind the death of Superman. And everybody knows what, what I mean by that. We should go right to what's in the bag because there we go. that carries right into this. There we go. Let's do it. Let's do it. So my first what's in the bag book is <gasps> a Civil War II, <laughs> The Oath, a one-shot which, if you didn't read all of the Captain Americas so far, and if you didn't watch Civil watch read Civil War, <laughs> well, you watched the movie Civil War, but you didn't. which is different Civil War Two. Um, this is really a good book to launch to get you all the backstory plus a bit more that's going to lead into the uh, Secret Empire, because the bulk of this is an explanation of what. The high points were what happened in Civil War. Wait, you're telling me I can just buy this and then it will save me all the money of reading everything else? (gasps) Yep. Because, well, you don't get to see all the agony and fighting and stuff. I'm bored with that. You find out that Tony Stark is in a coma. He's on a shield helicarrier. Tony Stark in a coma. I know. I I know. know. It's serious. (laughs) Um, Cap comes to uh, where they've got Tony, the, 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 uh, the the conceit of this is the cap has decided that he's going to confess to Tony's comatose body, so he goes to where Tony is on the helicarrier to tell him everything that's happened. Well, and this then mirrors what happened at the end of Civil War One. Yes, when Tony had to make his apology and confession to Cap on the slab. Yes, the time Captain America died. Hey, everybody, remember that he died. This does not, he'll be back. The good Captain America will be back. Yep. So you um, you mentioned parallels with our current, uh, our current political state. Uh, again, user experience may vary. 
So, I'm just saying because well, I don't want to. Let's just talk about a couple. I don't want to tick off the conservative friends. Uh, no, listeners no. Here, I, but, you I, know. Without being coming down one way or the other, you have a Captain America who has now been made the head of Shield. Who, oddly enough, the head of Shield gets sworn in in front of, I believe, the White House to large crowds of people, in which he promises he's going to make them feel safe again. Mm-hmm. That, that, that everything he's doing, and that part is true. He does think he's going to do... And issue two will feature the one million mutant march. Exactly. There'll be more people. <laughs> You'll be able to <laughs> put page next to page and see there were more yeah. people. Um, you have Carol Danvers, who has basically been given carte blanche to uh, to protect the planet by the by the president before Steve was there. Right. I can't remember. Is she officially an agent of S.W.O.R.D. now? Yes. Yeah. Well, okay. Alpha Flight now Alpha is what Flight, she right. leads. Because the Canadians are going to protect us. S.W.O.R.D. Actually, was... Actually, yeah, there it is. It's commentary. Right. Canadians are going to protect us. So, um, but Carol had found an old project that she's going to, that had been handed off to her by Maria Hill, we think. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm just being a suspicious comic reader in that they haven't done any specific foreshadowing that it wasn't actually Maria Hill or anything like that. But of, well, look, we've been reading comics for a, a good project 45 years where <laughs> they will build a wall around the planet to protect us. And we're going to make the Shi'ar pay for it? To protect us <laughs> from all these alien races that just keep on okay, wandering Okay, you know what? I'm just going to say, did Bendis write this? Uh, no, this is, uh, I had to go back and I had to find, you know, so like another, one of those, another one of those ones where. It's not even on the cover, is it? Uh, Nick Spencer. Yeah, Nick Spencer. Who is writing uh, Secret Empire. He's been the mastermind of Captain America. Five separate artists on this. Okay, <laughs> look, Nick. With Phil Noto. Nick, I'm, oh, Phil Noto's in? Yeah. Uh, that Nick, I enjoy your work. I really do. But. This is like way, way too on the nose. Oh yeah, it's it's <laughs> totally on the nose with what's going on. The only, there's no comment about small hands in here anywhere. So. I'm, I'm uh, although Ant Man could have shown up. Yeah, I I'm just gonna I'm 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 sorry. I hope this backs away from any political offense, but I am laughing my butt off at this. Yeah. Uh, it's too it's too obvious. You get Captain America's visions of the future, whereas we saw a number of visions of the future at the end of Civil so War. So this is the you know this is so the weird. This uh, is a book that if you're a Marvel reader you do not want to pass up i don't say that about a lot of one shots most one shots you really is this a one up. shot is this it? is a one shot okay then i'll go back and get that then. yeah so it's a th- or at the rate a, I, or at the rate i'm reading i'll read it on marvel comics and it's a it five dollar one shot but it's huge it's 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 a big book so uh you know so i'm gonna yeah i <laughs> yeah I, I mean, here's the interesting thing, and but I just she, want to say seriously about, about Cap is complaining about how the aliens just kind of wander okay, onto okay, the planet. Okay, this is this is one of the things that makes uh, that no matter how you feel, which side, I want to take a step back, breathe, and say we are still a great country with our freedom of speech because this is happening yes. at the same time that the guy who actually owned Marvel and is still president yes. of Marvel yes. is serving on Trump's cabinet. So we know they're publishing a bunch of books that are diametrically opposed. I've lost track of the enclosures and the redirections of the meta here. (laughs) But as I'm saying, it's like, look, here's the thing is maybe, maybe, just maybe, um, our system is working for both sides the way it should be, push and pull. Yeah. Um, And we're having a dialogue, and let's continue it. And if it's happening in comics, I mean, Ike Promoter's – 
seems to be okay with this being the subject matter. I mean, I doubt that he really could say it, Probably but he could. He could. He certainly took away their staplers at one point, which we know from watching <laughs> Office Space uh, was a uh, you know a problem. Oh, my stapler. Uh, yes, exactly. Uh, they, they moved my office. They did that. Care. They did that. Um, I think it was it was paper clips. I think it really was like he would go in and it's like you couldn't throw away a pencil till it was down to the very nub. Um, that's the rumor. Uh, I on my stack I'm going to go Justice League of America Rebirth, which is um, it, it looks kind of like a modern day Batman and the Outsiders. So that's why I my my recommendation on this is a little guarded, and the reason that it's a little guarded is I have no doubt that my son's going to love this book, but this is one of those where. We go through cycles. We've had Justice League, which was the big seven, the ones that are going to be in the movie, the pantheon, if you will, of the DC universe. And then always at some point, there's some fight where one of the team members goes, realizes, you know what? We've become too big. We need to be back down to earth. And it's usually Batman. Batman quit in the early 80s and formed the Outsiders, which is Black Lightning, uh, Halo, Katana, uh, uh, Metamorpho, the, the girl with the colorful that hair. Was Halo. That was Halo. That was Halo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then eventually Looker, the supermodel oh, vampire yeah. with hypnotic powers. Yeah. Uh, this is now the Ray, Killer Frost, Lobo, Vixen, Black Canary, and Ryan Choi, the Atom. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ray Palmer's still the Atom, but he's lost somewhere. So right. they've got that again being led yeah, again. Uh, I hope he's happy in that little um, barbarian world. Yes, the Edgar uh, Rice Burroughs. The Edgar Rice Burroughs world. Uh, and being led by Batman, and they've gone back to, uh, wait, what's that? Happy Harbor in that cave that the Teen Titans used to have where Young Justice was. So everything just keeps... But I know that because I've been reading comics so long. Right. I've seen these cycles. So you go, hey, it has a resonance for me where I go, all right, this is well done. I liked the one shots kind of reestablishing some of these characters that hadn't been part of the new 52. This is what they are now. Um, but even there's an exchange between Vixen and Batman where I'm like, I didn't necessarily see it as Vixen before, but I've seen Batman have this conversation and the handout. And there's all this where I'm just like, it, there was even a version of Justice League. I think Joe Kelly wrote where like major disaster reformed and joined for a while the Justice League. And the time that I saw that handout was like, ah, that was cool. I'm seeing it now with like Lobo. It doesn't quite make sense yeah. to me, but I don't know. So, I, but I, I tend to buy team books for the fun of, characters Seeing together characters, so yeah. i'm gonna probably continue reading justice league of america in this relaunch and like i said i think a new reader or a younger reader is gonna like yeah this is awesome and i love the diversity of this team it was just again as i'm often seeing with right. these things stories i've seen before yep so anyway that's on mine cool let's ch- we'll shift gears a little bit um we're into the, this is actually i pulled the wrong issue because uh, uh, and i'll explain why um, this is issue four is on my list this week. I'm but holding, holding issue, up three, issue three oh, um, man. of the amazing Spider-Man renew your vows. The only thing you need to know about this book to pick it up and enjoy it is this is not, this is Spider-Man in a world where he and Gwen have, you know, he and Mary Jane have had a child and yes. the, the child has powers Mary Jane has powers by virtue of some technology that was actually introduced in the main book. Um, and so they're a spider family. And normally these things just kind of like 
fall flat. You know, it's, it's either becomes like a household story where things are made difficult because of all the adventuring that, that one or two of them are having or whatever, or they just, they just don't work. This totally works because the focus, they put the focus on the kid and it's about the parenting of, of, uh, well, and she's yeah. only just issue gotten the name Spiderling. I'm down with that name. That's funny. Right. And uh, Mary Mary Jane is Spinneret. Okay. And so I'll say, the thing is, this is proof. There's no bad concept. Right. There's only bad execution. Because you say, you just explained why you thought this concept didn't, you know, it's usually bad. And I'm like, right. no. And I'll say, and I give two very specific examples where it proved that it's just about the execution. Fantastic Four. Sure. And The Incredibles. Yep. And, you know, and also, I'll also argue back, Lois and Clark, that recent thing building up to Rebirth with very, that Superman. Very and, much. And, yeah. and that idea that they're running, although Lois there doesn't have powers. This is lighter than, than uh, no, Lois and Clark. I'm not, I'm not yeah, saying, yeah, I'm no. not talking about the, the depth or, yeah. or the heaviness of it. I'm talking about this is Where the Where the story works. There is no concept that is inherently bad. Right. Well, maybe. Right. But, uh, you know, I just. I think some concepts fall because well, you know, and, and we've talked get, to, we've talked about crossovers last last week or the last podcast, yeah, and said like the ones that don't, you know, uh, was one we were loving Tarzan on the on the Planet right. of the Apes, you know, but versus then there's a different thing with Green Lantern versus Planet right. of the Apes, and right. what they're playing on is just totally you already kind of know this, and you right. know, and every cover boom's doing is that way, and then I mentioned you know it's like Archie meets the Punisher should not have worked at all, nope. but Bat and Lash before. took it seriously enough, yeah, to think about how you know so it's all about the you know how seriously you take the concept the concept doesn't have to be serious the execution doesn't have to be serious but you have to take it seriously right now the reason why i'm holding three instead of four is that this book is being read by every member of my family and that's awesome and so i don't know where four is in the house so this is just like i have to make sure it gets back into my collection somehow after everybody's after everybody's finished reading it so and we're back to your complaint about digital comics, uh, because uh, you know, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, there it is. My next one is actually we're on book three, which I think finishes it up. Dead Man, Dark Mansion of Forbidden Love. Here again, the idea of taking. Uh, I didn't see that. I'm such a Dead Man fan too. You yeah, didn't buy book one I didn't or two. See it. No, no. Oh, okay. We talked about it on the podcast when it was announced. It was going to be like a six yeah. year, six issue miniseries. Yeah. Um. I get it as a trade but they decided, to, but yeah, I mean, they they decided to make it a, a, square a finer bound. square bound, uh, two issues per per. Yep, this is the end. I was right. So it's the three issues. So it'll be good to trade paperback. It has taken that we talked about dark shadows, and yet this is still not my dark shadows callback. <laughs> but I realize, looking at this, is taking that gothic romance thing and setting dead man up not to be the romantic hero, but to be in this situation where there is that woman who's gone off to this mansion and she has, she's aware of ghosts and she can see dead man, but it's also totally updated for 2016 slash 2017. There are gender issues. There are, what is this history of why these are, there are ghosts trapped in this mansion, which have also trapped dead man because he's in there. And, um, I too, huge dead man fan, love dead man. And love anytime somebody has a unique twist on him because he's one of those characters. Again, it's hard to make him the focus of the story because of the limitations of what he can do. Hmm. Finding the character that can interact with him or that he's interacting as, you know, it's always somebody else's story that it's like the Phantom Stranger. 
when done right, but rarely done so, the you know, the Phantom Stranger is it's funny that they're both DC characters. Um that they're characters that they they nudge. They help people. It's always the other people's stories that are more important. Right. And, and finding a through line that makes the title character, the central character is hard. I think this has done it fairly well. Uh, and so I highly recommend Dead Man, Dark Mansion of Forbidden Love. And yes, as you say, probably at this point, trade. maybe it's a trade if you haven't picked it up. But it's it's beautifully, you know, it's coolly painted, I should, I should say. I, I like the look of it. Um, and it's just playing with, with textures. Man, and it, it almost looks like uh, Marv Wolfman. Or we're not no, Marvel um, was on no, 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 sorry, the artist for Tomb of Dracula, Gene Colan. Gene Colan. It has it has a bit of a touch of that, but yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. So I just see the name back in the header. Um, my last book, yes. We're back to Jessica Jones again because again, if you're going to be reading um, reading new comics and you're looking for something that's different and uh, interesting and dark. There isn't anything about this book that isn't really interesting. The characters, Jessica Jones is a character that is not written in steel. It's it's a character that's evolving. Um, the art style, I was, this art style has always bothered me a little bit, but I think I've put it together, and that is, in a way, I made the same comment about Neil Adams, that Adams always gets character faces and postures and gestures as if you took a picture of it at some point and it wasn't really posed. It was just where it was at that mm-hmm. moment in time. Yeah. And I get that feeling from this art. I also get kind of like it. They all, all the panels feel like they could be photographs that have been gone, gone through one of those filters filter. that it turned it into something that looks I, comic booky. I, I, I felt about this is Gatiss. Is this? Yeah. This is uh, Michael Gatiss. Michael Gatiss, who also worked with Bendis on uh, Scarlet mm-hmm. and, uh, and Alias back before, which was Jessica Jones. Yeah. The, the first time around. Um, you know, it is because I've always felt that way about his his work, and, and I think the best of the guys, you know, evoke an emotional feeling. I would agree with that with Neil Adams. He exaggerates a little more. Yeah, I wouldn't be. Su- I don't know anything about Gatiss's process. I wouldn't be surprised though if he, if does, he does go do around photograph. and like take photos and. It's it's all, it's kind of funny because you look. There are a number of the panels where, if you look at the these two panels, they look like he's taken the same drawing and just enlarged no, it a little bit on has. one page and. Um, it's kind of it's kind of neat, kind of interesting. I think it changes a little bit of it, but um, and then Jessica Jones, the storylines are are really there's a lot of dialogue back and forth between people. You really get into the heads of the characters, and it should be no surprise. Motivated. I mean, because one of the things people forget is one of the things Bendis kind of uh, pioneered, or at least became mo- you know well known for and really popularized. Was he redu- he eliminated the thought bubble? You're right. Yeah, back uh, he eliminated the thought bubble. And the other thing is, uh, it should be no surprise. Bendis is a huge, huge fan of David Mamet. And once I realized that is an influence, yeah. and, and I and I've told Bendis this, like when you go back to Scarlet Number One, which is a series I recommend. It's interesting and good for these times. Uh, you know, and I might end by saying this: if you want to read books, let's have a quick recommendation of books commenting on these times way ahead of their time. Uh, but Scarlet is one, and I told him in the first issue, I saw him and I said, I would like the script, and we, we both lost track, and I didn't get it. Was uh, the script for it because I thought it's a great monologue dramatic monologue mm-hmm. that as a you know i was teaching a drama program at a girl's school and saying my students would love to be able to have this as oh, yeah. a potential audition piece it's an interesting piece and you haven't you know but he, because he's writing comics it's like uh you know any and yeah uh 
there, there's an, you know, people blow hot and cold on Bendis. Mm-hmm. Um, always love him as a person. Uh, and some of his work, I like, you know, but I like him best when he's doing this kind of street level stuff, because that's how I discovered him in the first place. Yeah. Making commentary on what was really going on with like fortune and glory, his Hollywood experiences. Um, I think enough time has passed and it's so out of it, you know, that at one point, uh, here's this great untold story, uh, that I was going to be a producer on, uh, an adaptation of fortune and glory, Uh, a production company had bought the rights, he and I talked about it off the record, you know, you know, way after it had, fall, it had kind of fallen apart. Man, the history of comics would have changed utterly if that movie had been made. But when you go back to his um, crime stuff where you, Jinx, a.k.a. Goldfish, or maybe it's the way, a.k.a. Jinx, Goldfish, uh, Fire, and Torso, which every now and then floats yeah. back up as this as this book that's going to be made into a movie. Uh, you know his his street level writing, if you will, because he started as a crime reporter in in Cleveland. Uh, so and, and be, you know it, it's it's clear that he's influenced by Mammoth. He's got this level, and you know I I've enjoyed his, his more mainstream superhero comics over the years, but I just love him when he's working on this. You know? My my only cautionary thing on this is I actually think that. You're better off reading the trades on this one because of the way the dialogue. Well, this and is everything issue works. number five. I'm saying it's probably the first right. arc coming to a close. Right. So you know it it'll probably be fairly soon a good time to pick it up and maybe because because of the way the storylines develop and everything. I've, I'm always going back to prior issues to see what happened. And and I think, I, and I think, I think the way that Marvel is doing its storytelling and its concept of seasons now mm-hmm. it happens for a lot of stories. That I I just think. I almost see comics readership and industry, and I don't know that this is good for comic stores. Yeah. Sorry. That I'd rather pick up an album, uh, you know, like a, the European format. Right. Of saying uh, the trade paperback, we call it, that's what we call it. Albums were a little larger, uh, but like Asterix, The Gauls, you know, or Tintin, everything, or Duntun, I've heard it pronounced that way, but Tintin, uh, that, um, you know, you, you get these solid storylines and, and, and now that's how we consume old Uncle Scrooge stories too, yep. the Carl Barks work True. and the Don, Don Rosa work. And I'm at the point, there are things where I'm just like, you know what? I, I missed an issue or something and I bought, so about one or two and I'm so behind anyway. I'm just going to get the trade because then it's easier for me to pick up the trade yeah. and take it with me somewhere. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so like I'm revisiting, uh, fine. And I'm almost done with Chew. Um, because I decided to go into the omnibus editions because of the beautiful uh, yes. the, or the omnivore. I'm sorry, the right. omnivore editions, and and don't judge me as a father. I've let my son read it. Uh, you know, and you know, because it got a little, it gets a little weird. But yeah. uh, you know, but we talk about it. But you know, I was going to say uh, with titles like um, Scarlet, another one that I'm catching up on through the Marvel Comics Unlimited, and I know we talked about it when it first came out. But again. Lost the bag that had issue three, so I read issue three today of Vote Loki, and I knew when that book was. I'm, I'm like, I realize oh, yeah. actually, I take that back. Issue three, I did read. It's four, I, so I haven't read the end of it. I have to find it. But there again is a is you want to talk about trenchant political commentary? It's brilliant, and it's not about right or left no. or you know, no, it's, it's about how we consume. So I'm going back to this book. Amusing ourselves to death. And it's like, it really is about how we consume and how we're interpreting messages. Mm-hmm. My last choice, though, is 
Steven Universe oh number one. Um, uh, no, I know they've done some Steven Universe bo- story books before. Oh yeah, well, you called me on that one. But I've gotten so into the show that, and I know you have. Are as you well. all caught up? Uh, we, yeah, I th- no, I think something happened last week. So I tend to I save it for when I have my son. I have about four episodes that I haven't watched. So yet. I watched the Alien Zoo one. Um, was five episodes and then and Comcast put it together. You're ahead of me. Uh, Comcast put it together as yeah, one yeah. movie, which I've been like, great, do that. You know, show yeah, me the whole. Yeah, it's been interesting. I'd rather do that. Yeah. You know, again, because that's how good Steven Universe is. Let's let's just consume it all at once. This is their ongoing. They've had a series of, of miniseries. This is now finally boom, uh, kaboom. The kids' line of imprint is doing an ongoing Steven Universe, and I don't know because I think that Steven Universe is so tightly. Wound in its continuity, and I don't mean that as a cut. I mean it's just it. I just had this with a coworker. Some reference popped up in my head about Gravity Falls, and I said, "Oh, you, you know." And he said, "Oh, I've never been much of a cartoon guy, but I've got PTO coming up." And I said, "Yeah, I'm introducing so many adults to. I know I watch more cartoons than a man my age has a right to do. <laughs> but you really should be checking out Gravity Falls, and you really should be checking out, you know." Uh, I don't know that I would recommend Steven Universe to everyone, but I think it's one of the best cartoons on right now, if not the best. And and I well, read- especially when you you watch it in like fifteen to seventeen minute episodes, mm-hmm. right? And the the story is so compact in that time, and yes. they get so much in, so many so many character interactions, and and it's flat out. It's a story about compassion, and yeah. then I have. My son probably pays more attention than I do. Like, I'll put it on in the, in the morning. It's like, okay, I'll make breakfast. Go ahead, watch the Steven Universe, and I'll listen to it in the background. So it's a show that I don't watch as tight, as closely as I I think it deserves. Yeah. So I catch it based with them. I'm like, you know, there's a weird, there's a complexity that when I was my son's age, this was not happening in television. Oh, no. Uh, any show. Yeah, you know, it's like sometimes I'm watching TV series, and I think that's probably the problem people have with Powerless is because we're rolling into TV. This is a good transition, you know. Is that is that it's an old style. There's a continuity, I suppose, but already in two episodes, it's like, yeah, they've thrown away one thing, you know, as they're struggling to fight. And I'm like, I kind of miss the days where it was easy to just. Uh, tune into one episode of a series and you were done in one and you'd yeah. go like, yeah, that was cool. I, I enjoyed watching that show. And I, I think about that a lot. You know, I think what calls, I'm calling back to like even Batman 66. The continuity was so loose. It didn't matter what order you watched any episode, right, uh, right. you know, other than the chap- part right. one and part two of any, of anything. And that was a different, that was a different thing. Star Trek very rarely did they reference something that had happened before? Partially because they were stumbling into like. Well, that was the sandbox. That was the Roddenberry yeah. edict of the sandbox. You know, and, and, and I'm kind of, I'm missing those sandbox stories, which is why I think reading Vote Loki today was sort of like for me going, you know, I don't need it to tie into the rest of continuity. I don't think that I need Marvel to ever, ever reference that Loki ran for president again. No. But I appreciate that somebody got to play in the toy box. Yeah. And sorry to warp your reference, but to play with these toys and tell an interesting story, yeah. and I'm back to the idea of an album, that that's Vote Loki is going to be an interesting story. I don't need it to fit in continuity. No. Because now we know, it's like what Grant Morrison used to say about X Men, you know, just do consistent characterization. 
And again, I'll go back to Lego Batman movie. That's how whacked out the con- the the continuity references are. You'd think Grant Morrison, sure, w- was consulted on this film. Yeah, uh, you know, and, uh, snuck it at night and modified oh, things. Oh my gosh, it's great. Um, the thing about uh, one thing I wanted to bring up on Steven Universe is the fact that I was going to say world building, but it really is universe building. Uh huh. Um, the city that he lives in has so many interesting city, characters. Yeah. Almost any one of any group of those people could be. A regular show on on Cartoon Network, you know, you just say you know, this is the story. They're a fun town. The donut shop, or this is the mayor's story, or whatever. The guy who the historian and mm-hmm. and and Mister Smiley, and then kind of, and, and then there's, and they change, they change over the, they yeah. change quite a bit. You know, when did she get a sword? If you were watching those out of sequence, you yeah. know, like, well, which occasionally I do, yeah. and, and you know, I have to go to my son. I was like, what is this? when could they merge? And he's yeah, uh, fuse, fuse, sorry, yes. Um, yeah, because that's that again. You, there is this tightness uh, to continuity. This this, but the other thing I think is interesting about Steven Universe as a cartoon, as a show, and as a concept is, it is also to get vaguely political and commentary. It is a, th- it is an act. Think mm-hmm. globally, act locally. Because yeah. there's uh, the zoo episode, the zoo storyline with five episodes tied together. They have to go off planet, off world, and he. Stephen tells his friend, um, blanking on her name. Yeah, uh, I couldn't think of it either. Uh, he leaves a message for her and says, "Protect Beach City while I'm gone." Right. And I've seen this one. I've seen and, it. Yeah. And, and yeah. The, the, this realization that, which is a comic book trope too, but the, there's the thing is, they are simultaneously having to protect the world. And so I was asking Luke. You know, like little thing, like wait a minute, do the diamonds know this? And you go to, wait, isn't that still an issue? And he said, no, 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 no. Um, you know, the diamonds don't know this, but it, it's been solved. But they don't know that, and so they're still, you know, there's there's a force still thinking their original plans are in play, even though they've been destroyed. Right. right. And um, and I just thought it interesting that it's like, yeah, the action stays both both in this little town when we got to know these people and we get to know the history of the town. And at the same time, there's a galactic war basically going right. on, right? And it is a, a you know an otherwise horrible movie, the one the core where I did think you know one thing they said is like you know the problem is you start thinking you're saving the world and it gets overwhelming. And there was one scientist uh, in the core bad movie who said like he had a picture of his daughter and he said because this is who I'm fighting to save. Right. I can't save the world, but if I save her. I just might save the world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I remember that this is what I'm working for. And I think that's something we all need to stop and breathe and think about that, you know, and Steven Universe does that brilliantly mm-hmm. because it is hard. It's still about a guy, a boy trying to figure out, well, who was my mom? You know, what's my place in this world? What's my place in this world? Uh, it's a weird place. <laughs> no and, doubt. And he enjoys it all. Yeah, and it's compassion. That's to say, yeah. Steven, Steven approaches with a heart as wide as the universe. Bigger than anybody else. Yeah, you know, and it's a great show, great show. Yep. So let me talk about. Uh, okay, this is my dark. This is my dark shadows callback. Ready? Yeah, uh, ready. Because FX this week um, had uh, debuted an X Men, their first of their X Men tie-in series. Because there's going to be another. That I don't think they've gotten a title for it yet, but they. But that's part of. There's a detente between Marvel and Fox now, and 
it was in order to because it because Legion is produced by Marvel Television in association with Marvel Television. So we're seeing an interesting thought. And did you watch the pilot? I haven't read it yet. Okay. Um then I will try to be a little bit more vague about things. But I do think it's the most interesting superhero show, if you want to call it a superhero show, that we have ever gotten. Okay. And you were talking about artists and you had, we were talking about Michael Gatiss and we were talking about Neil Adams. Legion, the character, David Holler, uh, was the... Uh, was introduced in New Mutants in the run that Bill Sienkiewicz right. drew. Right. Who reminds me? You know, Gaines reminds me a lot of that. But I'd say Sienkiewicz is more dreamlike. Oh, yeah. Much more abstract. Much more abstract. And so is the television show Legion. Oh, so nice. watching it is like, then I wrote a review and I said, this is, watching it is like what I felt when I was reading New Mutants and Excellent. Legion was first. Now, Legion introduced. was drawn with like, 10 inch long hair. Yeah, you're never seeing, yeah, you're and, never seeing, you know, and he's always, because there's so much going on mentally. And, uh, it is created, written, directed, at least the first episode by, uh, then the show will go on by Noah Hawley, who's done the anthology of Fargo. Um, and it turned out as I was like, wait, I saw his name's familiar. And I looked and it was, a, uh, my brother knew him in San Francisco in his first novel. My brother took his author photo. So I was like, wait a minute, the name's really familiar. And I have on a shelf his first novel, A Conspiracy of Tall Men, which Patrick Stewart had bought the rights to. And the movie never happened. But I'm Mm. like, wow, I didn't realize I've been following this guy that long. You know, (laughs) like, going, wait a minute, huh? And I text my brother and I said, is Noah Hawley was your friend, right? And he goes, yeah, yeah. I used to take pictures of him and his band. Yeah, I, I hear he's kind of super famous now. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, because I'm paying attention to who he is. But anyway, it's a it, it is uh, it is a weird, great show, and it starts with the who uh, Happy Jack. The yeah, song. Happy and, Jack. And it is, yeah, and it's got you know, as always. We, we 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 can't owe money to ASCAP. Uh, and it um it it basically opens with a montage of his growing up okay. with the flare ups of Perfect. his powers. And so, but the thing is, it's one of these things you, you watch this and go, there's a conspiracy going on. It's tied into X-Men only vaguely, but it's definitely in following along with what I was saying about the way the movie said, uh, it's sometime in the future. Uh-huh. So that you can say, Oh, it's, it's today. And I don't think the X-Men movie actually did this as well as Legion is doing is that it's today. It looks like today, except there are these little touches in the production design that suddenly make you go, yeah, we don't have that yet. And like, there's a little futurism that's going on. So, which I think is what happens. You you know, we used to think science fiction movies just make the future is so different. And it's not. It's little right. incremental changes right. that change. It's back to the Max Headroom 15 minutes into yeah, the future. Yeah, and even is, even like you were just – I was flashing on uh, the uh, the oath, Civil War II. The congressmen are talking about aliens from outer space. Mm-hmm. That's entertainment. Talking about aliens from south of the border, that's real life. That's mm-hmm. not fun. But if they come from outer space, then we can discuss the exact same issues – Right, which is, what science, which is what speculative fiction, if you will, to yeah. go for fantasy and sci-fi, uh, does, right? And uh, so Legion is, there's the mutant tie-in. They do say the M word. Um, but, but what's going on and how much of it is actually happening and how much of it is actually David trying to make sense 
uh, of his reality. Okay. So that's the Sienkiewicz thing. Like they've really, but it's also almost like David Lynch. It's like this is we got the superhero version potentially <laughs> of Twin Peaks right before Twin Peaks actually okay, comes just back. Twin Peaks. I thought you were going to go all the way back to um, it's a eraser, eraser head. head. Yeah, uh, maybe it's an erased head. Uh, you don't know because he's 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 on drugs. There's yeah. definitely he's piecing together because of the soundtrack. I'm going like there's an interesting. So he's that's piecing together childhood pe- things that he remembers because there's a there's a Bollywood number that clearly isn't real, but David must have seen Bollywood at some point because he is doing that. He's putting his warping his reality through that. His sister shows up looking very sixties, um, at one point, and then she's not so much the next time you see it. So it's like, yeah, you, you're always seeing it through his head. And of course, if you've read the comics, if yeah. you know the character, his head's a mess. Well, he was original when we first saw. I him. don't want to spoil because the show doesn't say who he is. Okay, no, but when we first saw him, he was. In been a in a special, he was in a special area of Moira McTaggart's laboratory yeah. in in Ireland or Scotland, 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 Scotland. Yeah, on, on Muir Island. Muir Island, yeah. And and his his mentality was highly suspect because of the drugs and stuff. He was the things that were do, done to suppress him, and the fact that he got well, he'd been in a coma for years, and so it was the, the fact ac- that he came out of all that was was an, an omega level threat. I think yes. that may have been the first time we saw and, heard and that that's, And they're not saying it, but that's, I mean, that is that is the implication of the series. So here's the here's the Dark Shadows tie-in. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Is that one of the major villains is David Selby, a.k.a. Oh, cool. Quentin Collins. Uh, so I'm like, the werewolf. So I'm loving that it's like, oh, he's back. He's, I, you know, I just love seeing these old guys that are still in it, you know? Yeah. And, and so anyway, I... I I'm going to – the pilot episode, at least Comcast with commercials, was showing – I mean, I think it's going to show up on Hulu, but it hadn't yet when I watched it. So I had to watch it on demand. Uh, the pilot's like 87 minutes, um, so it's an extended episode walking through. But it is it is worth it, and I'm going to have to rewatch because there was just so much going on that's amazing. Uh, you know, it's a very – it's going to be one of those series we're going to look back and just go – and it's only eight episodes per season so far. Oh, okay. So, which is – again, I'm fine yeah, with it. Give yeah, me yeah. these shorter things sure. that I can just digest what you were trying to do and what – because I was thinking about somebody referencing oh, – my son's watching Arrested Development. And wow. like, and then like, well, you know, what happens is my my daughter's watching Arrested Development. So, he, so my son's in the room watching Arrested right, right, Development. Right. And um, – you know, and, and so I was thinking, boy, I'd like to go back and watch it. When the hell am I going right. to do that? You know, right. and, and it's so the pros and cons of a streaming service. Right. But, you know, it, it's like but these shorter things where maybe you could go back and watch. Maybe, maybe. you know, I, I, I just don't have and I used to think it's because I used to have more time as a kid. But it's like we talk about it again. There's so much content to consume. It's like you just yeah. I feel like we've lost something. We are living. We are living in a media buffet, you know, an all-you-can-eat media buffet. And I, having uh, gone to like hometown buffet and <laughs> Vegas buffets, I know what a bad idea that really was. <laughs> um, it seemed like a good idea at the time, and until then you tried to eat it. It's all. like Thanksgiving Day every day. <laughs> um, oh my it's next gosh! Next door that's next door to a store that sells elasticized waist pants. Oh yeah, yeah I got Joey's uh, Thanksgiving pants. Yeah, exactly. uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, a show that came back that is one of those that I, I know I have to catch up on. And because, you know, Bacon is going to have his guest of honor, the 
creators of of this concept yep uh the expanse and you've been you've been watching i've been enjoying it i watched uh, that was the the review i did based on the the pilot way back when yeah. yeah and uh this is just this is just an amazing uh production and when i say production i'm not trying to just say the the um the mechanics of the show which are fabulous the the actors are all terrific and you've got such and I'm, uh, I'm going to keep on using the word amazing, but it's just a, a, an incredibly talented, diverse ta- cast. Um, you have strong female characters who mm-hmm. who are, you know, fundamental. Uh, you say strong female. It's not just they are. Wait, pause. Fun- mm. Connie, that's Steven's friend on Steven Universe. <laughs> exactly right. Another okay, strong continue. female. Another yeah, strong I know. She character. is. She's fantastic. She's yeah. the smart one. Yeah. Uh, anyway, go ahead. Um, except when she's trying to figure out why she doesn't need glasses anymore. Um, <laughs> the the, the, the storyline uh, is, it's taking some liberties with the book, but that's totally fine. And the, the, uh, the, 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 the level, I was, I was watching the second episode and just of this season and marveling at the the way they've constructed the spacesuits, uh, just down to the level of detail that they're doing and the way the helmets clasp in. Um, I don't know if it's CGI or if it's a practical effect or whatever. I have no idea. Uh, but just amazing, amazing stories. Um, you, but totally, there's there's no science fiction magic in this. You know the idea that. You you know if your if your ship's going to go fast all of a sudden if you're not strapped in you're going to get banged up against the wall. Well, I would say this. All right, it's hard sci-fi, as they say, right. which is you know it's kind of pat. Most people that dabble in sci-fi, you know, as fandom, like you know, Star Wars is science fantasy. Laser guns are science fantasy. fantasy. Even though we have lasers, we don't have laser guns, guns. that could do any damage, really. Right. So that you could carry in your hand. You know the the idea that. Um, we haven't gone out of our solar system, and it takes time to move between planets. Although they, there is one one little bit about there's a story uh, early in the in the storyline mm-hmm. about how they did get this kind of souped up jet jump jet that, mm-hmm. that takes them faster, a little bit faster. But um, you know they don't have they have uh, guns that still fire projectiles, but they you know they're advanced, so they're that much more deadly. And you know the the mm-hmm. ship. Fighting. I'm just going to blather well, about plausible. this. No, yeah, it's just I, I, a, a, an amazing, amazing science fiction show, and it's the kind of thing that you know, years and years ago, when it was spelled differently, the Sci-Fi Channel promised we were going to get stuff like this, and we got horror shows and bad monster movies and wrestling, and and they are. And I with, cannot emphasize the bad in those bad monster movies oh. enough. And but. Now we're getting shows like this and The Magicians, which is uh, which is an, ama- uh, an amazing, uh, an inspired cross between, and they they use this they use this totally appropriate phrase, Game of Thrones and Narnia, but you have to throw in Harry Potter there too. Yeah, but it's an here. adult Harry Potter with what would what it would really be like if you know sexualized young people. All of a sudden, had magic, and you know, and they knew how to get drunk better, or they knew how to, you know, transport. Because butterbeer really is not it's alcoholic; not that, yeah. it can't be. No, uh, no. Yeah. If you're working with real alcohol, yeah. Um, 
but this is this is I am so pleased with what Sci-Fi Channel is doing in both of these shows and others too. But these are the ones I've been focusing on recently. Well, one I had watched and I need to catch up is Twelve Monkeys, which is oh, yeah. just you know I mean yeah, there's plenty of stuff on it, on Sci-Fi. Twelve that is, Monkeys fell by the wayside for me just because there's there's just too much. Exactly, yeah. and 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 you know next summer you'll know what they think is great. Uh, sci-fi is pushing the new thing by which uh which show has taken over the local cafe at the hard rock uh there you go always eat with the new theming i can't remember what it was this year uh because the expanse was two summers ago yep um hmm i even i always make a point of you know i don't know why because it's always uh overpriced and it's always the same thing it's a good restaurant though it is a good restaurant but i but i i I go in because i want to like absorb the experience experience, but i can't remember what it was this year ah well anyway we'll see what it is next year or or actually now this year that was last year that did i hate time travel uh, and yet I live it constantly. All right. Well, that's it. Uh, so, hey, everybody, this is our show. Uh, thanks for listening. And, of course, uh, if you have any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, if you want to see my phone case, because I saved the JPEG so I can send to anybody who emails me what my phone case looks like, write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. I'm Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder, reminding you to use, use your, your powers, powers only for good. good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com.